Hey everybody, this is Harold Mitchell of Elmont, Michigan. It's Saturday night and time for WEVM Productions Presents Have a Drink and Let's Talk Audio Podcast with your host, Edward Mann. Somebody cue the damn intro music. Hey Ed, am I going to be on the radio? Thanks for joining us right here in the WEVM Production Studios. It's going to be an exciting night, and I'm very excited for my next guest. Uh, if you're from the Detroit metro area, and remember back in the 70s, there was a local band really popular around the time. Uh, in fact, it was the house band for the Rooster Tail in Detroit, and that band was Works. I'm very excited to have tonight's guest in the studio here with me. He's the singer and trumpet player from that band. I met him back in the 70s through my wife Diane, which is his cousin. And uh, he's always been a musical inspiration to me. Every time I see him and we get to talk, and he always makes me smile, makes me laugh. Uh, his awesome voice and talent on a trumpet is still being heard today. Um, and I'm really, really glad he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only James Jimmy Toreno. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I'm glad you finally got together with us. So. Yeah, I had a tough time finding your house, but that's okay. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, you don't get invited that often, so <laughs> not a lot of people do. So, <laughs> what's your name again? <laughs> I'm very happy you're here today. Yeah, glad, to be so, glad to be um, here. I know you weren't one of the founding members, um, but we're gonna take a take a trip back in time here and um, and see what we can come up with. Kind of shake them cobwebs out, um, and. Uh, Take it from there and see what happens, all right? Sound all right. cool? Sounds good. Good. All right. I am curious, first of all, what got you into music? When I was a youngster, I used to go to my grandma's house, and my uncle mm-hmm. had this reel-to-reel tape recorder, and he used to have, I, there was nothing nothing else to do at my grandmother's house, you know? Nowadays, kids have all sorts, you know, if you got grandkids now, there's all sorts of stuff you buy for them to play with so they don't drive you nuts, you know? I got one grandson that, uh, after he leaves, I gotta take a nap. Anyway, so what happens, <laughs> I, 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 I would go to my uh, grandmother's house and there was <clears throat> one thing to play with was my uncle's reel-to-reel tape. And I would listen to, he had Ahmad Jamal, he had uh, Dave Brubeck and stuff like that. So this is like back in the 50s, and I'm listening to this stuff where everybody else is listening to doo-wop and this. And so I, <clears throat> I got interested in music. Uh, in Detroit, where I was originally from, the music department in the school, they offered many different things to play. Uh, so I started out playing violin, which they offered, cello, which they offered, uh, even drums, <clears throat> and uh, so I I was familiar with the music scene. And then when we moved, my family moved to Roseville. I decided I wanted to play trumpet, and it's pretty funny because uh, the first trumpet I bought was like twenty five dollars, and uh, I went to make a noise, and I think my ears popped and my eyes crossed, and I wasn't even close to making a sound. But, you know, uh, so we decided maybe I should upgrade. So my dad took me to uh, uh, somebody that sold, horn, you know, instruments out of their house. And she had this great line. She looked at me. She goes, you know, you got lips that could be like a trumpet. 
uh, you should be playing trumpet with those lips. And I'm thinking, if I decided I wanted to play trombone or French horn or something like that, she'd probably say the same thing. So anyways, my, my dad bought me my first horn, which was a lot easier to play. And uh, I took lessons in uh, junior high school. And I just, it, it became part of me. And it's real interesting because it, even now, when I play, you're like transported back in time. Sure. You're, you're like a young kid again, you know, and, and that's why I love to play. I, I, I go around the basement and I have, and I can use YouTube and put on big band music and minus charts and stuff like that. And I can play along with them and it's like you transport in time. So anyways, I did that in, in junior high and in high school, I started progressing to the point where, uh, well, in junior high, I was, they had a thing where you could uh, possibly, if you were good enough, you could spend two weeks in Interlock in Michigan. It was a music camp. So in ninth grade, I was uh, chosen to go to Interlock, which was like a, it was a great experience. And I went there for two weeks. And so <laughs> I had a reputation. This is a kid from junior high school. As I'm going into high school now, and they're watching out, watch out for Jim. He's going to be really He's like a, he's a young guy and he's going to be really good. And, and so everybody was waiting for me in high school. I got in high school and uh, if you know anything about music, the chair positions, there's first chair all the way to last chair. And there were like, uh, first chair is the top of the key. You know, that's the best. Right. Last chair is not the worst, but you know, you probably should practice more. Right. So, <laughs> so anyways, so I was, I, I became second chair as a sophomore. And the first year was a senior, so uh, that was my reputation. And I, I'm I'm sure I screwed up a lot, but it didn't matter. So I did that in high school, and after high school, I'm getting close to the works part now. After high school, I went to Macomb, and I was at Macomb my first year, and I was in the wind ensemble and the jazz band and the brass quintet. And one day. We're playing in, uh, this is Macomb on 12 Mile Road. It was only like five buildings, and then there was, a, this was a long time ago. Was, was it paved streets? Yeah, it was paved streets. I think they had donkeys and horses and stuff like that. So I didn't want, what, <laughs> this is getting gory. You can cut me off anytime. No, no, I, I, I'm enjoying it. Okay, all right. I, I can see your eyes. They're like, I, well, my, my you're brain the, you're is, like back there. Yeah, I'm going back in time, That's which okay. is really good at my age that I can remember all this crap. So anyways, so I was, we were in the cafeteria. And we were playing pool, and you know, like I said, this first year I was in everything Macomb had to offer, and uh, so I think I was eating lunch or something, and this one guy was playing pool, and he was really good, and uh, I was watching him, and I said, this guy, this guy doesn't go to school here, he's just a hustler. So that afternoon, uh, I, was, I was in jazz workshop, and this same guy was sitting there with this other guy. They both had long hair, and I'm just looking at what are these guys doing here? And uh, after rehearsal, he came up to me and he said, "Yeah, I'm in band called Works. Uh, what? Yeah, I'm in band called Works, and uh, we're looking for a trumpet player." And I went, "Nah, I'm really not interested. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a band director, and I'm gonna do this and music." And and I'm think now when I think about it. That was the stupidest thing I could have said because if you want to starve, be a band director. Anyways. Right. 
<clears throat> so I said, no, you know, I, I, I don't want to do that. And he said, well, you know, we're playing at this place in uh, Berkeley called Coral Gables. Why don't you come down and listen to us? And I said, nah. So uh, one of the guys that I knew, he was going out with my cousin, and, and I would chum around with them. And he says, well, let's just go down there and see what they sound like. So I said, okay. So Coral Gables was in Berkeley on Woodward, and it was like it was a chain. There was Coral Gables in Kalamazoo. There was Coral Gables in Saugatuck, and one in Lansing, and one in uh, Berkeley. So we went there, and it was it, it was kind of neat. There were it, it was six guys at the time, there, there, and the reason there were six guys uh, was because the seventh guy who they wanted me to replace wasn't there. He was having problems. I don't know exactly. So I sat down and listened to him and stuff, and I went, this is, this is kind of neat. And uh, so I said, I, I'll come in and, and sit in with you. So at that time, the first job, I, I, I sat with them at, uh, at Coral Gables, and we did some stuff, basically horn stuff. And at that time, <clears throat> it was Chicago, we were doing some Chicago. We were doing. This, there was a band called Electric Flag, which was like uh, there was Blood, Sweat, and Tears. But Blood, Sweat, and Tears was interesting because this was the first Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Al Cooper, who was the genesis of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and Electric Flag, who was Mike Bloomfield. So they both knew each other really well, and uh, so these were the horn groups that were starting out. So we were doing stuff like that, and. <laughs> There, I, there was one song that I realized this guy couldn't sing that well, but he was damn really good looking. And he, they used to call him the dark one. He had, this is a guy in the band. His name's Danny. Dark hair, dark mustache. Looked like Omar Sharif. And he's singing The Look of Love. <laughs> and the women are going nuts. And I think, and uh, he didn't have the greatest voice, but when he was singing, he would just sing to the women and stuff. Like, this, is, this is a lot of fun. So I went and uh, I think I yeah, I probably I sat in with them for one night and they said, well, you want to join? And I said, well, I'm still going to school. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll try and squeeze, you know, I'll try and squeeze sure. it in. And uh, what happened was after that, I joined and uh, I was still, like I said, I was still going to school. And uh, there was a guy that uh, came and was watching us. His name was Bill Brown, and he was opening a club called Cupid's Den, which was on John R. between 12 and 14 Mile Road on, in uh, Madison Madison Heights, and he wanted us to open the club for him. Okay. Well, I said, well, I, I have uh, McCombs Jazz Band, and we're all dressing in, in uh, we're all, you know, we're all dressing with white shirts and black pants, and he said, well, I really want you guys to dress in tuxes. So we're going, okay. And so we had, so so picture me with all these guys with white shirt and black pants on, and I had to go from the concert to the opening. So I'm in a tux with a pink shirt and stuff like that. And it would have been nice if I had solos or something. I just right. I stuck out like a sore thumb. So I did that. We went to Cupid's Den, and we opened up the club with this singer. His name was Gino Washington. And he had a song out called Gino is a Coward. And he was like, this, this was the big name. 
And so we opened up that club with Gino as a coward, and he was going. He, he just wasn't making it. So me and the trumpet player, the guy with the dark hair and stuff, we did the soupy shuffle with him as we were doing that. So And, and that's what happened. That's how I joined the band. And then uh, what happened after that, we started doing stuff like for Grand Funk, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else we used to do. Uh, we, we would. This was at a period of time where we tried to find stuff that you could dance to. Right. But at the same time, there was really good stuff going out that was more concert. Uh, we were doing Santana. So uh, it, I, I have some interesting stories. I, I, and okay. I, I can't remember, but when I was talking to Wayne, uh, one of the other guys in the band, we were talking about... Uh, were some of the jobs that we had, and we had one job on Babalo Island. Oh, really? So imagine all these guys load stuff up on the Babalo boat. We went to Babalo <laughs> Island. This is good. So we went to Babalo Island, and it was like a battle of the bands on Babalo Island. And there was a band called Universal Family. So our PA equipment consisted of a two sure columns and a sure mixer which was a mixer plus that amp that was right. built in, right? So those are basically those are basically for those are basically for vocals. Right. Uh, Universal Family had these really big speakers, all sorts of equipment and stuff like that and they said, "You know, you guys can use our equipment if you want to." And we went, "Cool." So we went and used their equipment, and we won the battle of the band. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they were so pissed off because so anyways, yeah, so that that was one job which was really funny, and at Coral Gables there was a there was a bouncer. His name was Rusty. He was a really nice guy, and he said, well, "Why don't you guys come up to Sagatuck and we can you can you know play up there?" And we went, "Okay, cool." And we knew something was wrong right off the bat because <laughs> because before each set. He had us punch in a time clock. Oh God! So so we were punching time clocks between each set. Oh nice! Yeah. We, so look at all, figure out a line of guys in the band standing in front. They've got their axes and stuff. They got their horns and stuff like that, and they're punching in a time clock. So that job just didn't work out. We ended up going to Kalamazoo, which was a, a lot a lot more fun. Yeah. But uh, look, uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm trying to think. Of, and then <clears throat> what happened was, like I said, we were doing Grand Funk. And they found out that I could sing. So once we, st I, and I could sing like Mark Farner. I had a real good range. I still got a, for an old man, I still got a yeah, good, good range right now. And so I was doing uh, a, a lot of grand funk. Uh, spooky, spooky Tooth was popular at the time. Uh, Santana was popular at the time. And we used to do this song called I Love You More Than You Ever Know, if you ever want to pull something up uh, by L Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Okay. I love you. That, that's a great horn song. That's what I liked about Al Cooper. He incorporated songs really good. Blood, Sweat, and Tears, the second album, is a little bit more commercial, where the first album was just so cool. Uh, and uh, they had some really good players on there. Uh, uh, Randy Brecker was the trumpet player, who, and Fred Lipsius is always great. But uh, that was a good album. If you ever want to pick up a good album, it's a really bizarre album. On the album cover, they're all sitting on chairs, and they have little kids on their laps. But somebody superimposed <coughs> the men 
into the in the faces of the little kids. Oh. So it's like so the guys are sitting with themselves on the bottom. It's a it's a great album, but it, everything on there is just so good. And I love you more than you ever know. That was Wayne's baby, the bass player. What a gorgeous! It was, <clears throat> it was a good band, and it's it's sad because three of them are gone now. But uh, we try, we stay in touch. Who who were who were the original guys? The original guys before I joined? No, right when you joined. Okay, when I joined, there was R. <laughs> Friedland, who was a guitar player who passed away. Brian, I, I knew him. Yeah, Brian Batens was the sax player. Uh, Larry Furlick who was, incidentally, one of the greatest accordion players in Michigan. That's what Brian used to say. We're getting the greatest accordion player in Christmas. That's great. We can do polkas. <laughs> Which is another side. Larry played He played a Farfisa organ, and then he graduated to a Hammond B3. Oh, wow. Can you imagine yeah. <laughs> going up the stairs at the rooster tail with a Hammond B3? I mean, <clears throat> so, but Larry played organ. Danny the Dark One played trumpet. I played trumpet. Wayne was the bass player, and Ted Miller was the drummer. Okay. So out of the seven of us, Ted, Danny, Wayne, and me are left. Oh, okay. And uh, so, how did how did you be, guys become like the house band at the Rooster Tail? How did that? What happened was, we got into the Rooster Tail. There was an upper deck and a lower deck. Right. We when we went in there, we'd always play the lower deck, and the upper deck had a band called Cats and Jammer. And Cats and Jammer was like gross pointish, you know, four right. four guys that didn't think their poop stunk, you know, and it yeah. was, and they they would always do really good stuff. Well, we're downstairs with horns doing uh, Wilson Pickett, Funky Broadway stuff like that, and the kid and we're in Detroit, right? Right. And the kids in there were coming from the suburbs and stuff, and they really liked the way we sounded. And we didn't dress real nice. We I, looked, I've seen pictures. Yeah, we just we yeah. just dressed the way yeah. that we dressed, you know, and. Initially, our hair wasn't that long, but we were really hungry, and <clears throat> and yeah, we used to do really good tunes, and we wanted to make sure <clears throat> that all the tunes we did were danceable. Right. It, it was really important, and Ted Miller was a really good drummer for for dancing, and uh, so that we're downstairs, and it's real interesting because downstairs. The stage was on the side, where upstairs the stage was in the back. So it didn't, you didn't oh, okay. really, so, and we used to have these little moving lights when we were playing and stuff, and the kids would dance and stuff. So we did that for a long time, and then they realized that there were more kids coming downstairs than were going upstairs. So I don't know if Cats and Jack, I think they just, they signed, they signed a year contract, and after the year contract was over, they, they asked us if we wanted to go upstairs. <laughs> and this is terrible. So we say, yeah, okay, we'll go upstairs. And, you know, Brian, the sax player, is, is really serious. He goes, we're upstairs now, and we got to be real professional, right? So the, the, cur the curtains are, you know, we're going to, this is going to be really cool. The curtains are going to be closed. We're going to be behind the curtains. And, yeah, Jim, you got Congress now, so we're going to start with waiting and stuff like that. And we're going to, it's going to be really cool. And me and Arb were looking at each other, right? So while the, while the curtains are closed, people are outside and the mics are on, and we're making fart noises oh. on the microphone. And Brian's getting really, come on, guys, this is good. And we're going, <laughs> and we're laughing. Because we, we didn't take ourselves that right, seriously. Right. So, I mean, and I don't know. The history of that place is so cool because 
Rare Earth was there, and, and uh, in fact, we got to meet them. They they did one of their studio albums there, and they they re-released Getting Ready, and they they had uh, canned applause and canned people talking right. while they're playing and stuff like that. And so th- there is a history there, uh, and and works. We were just called Works because there's another band out of Ohio, Ohio called The Works. Right. So Arv changed the name to Works Music. So, oh, okay. An, an interesting story, too. When we played at Cupid's Den, Robin Seymour, who was a big disc jockey right. out of Canada, was a, the master of ceremonies, okay? So he saw our name, W-E-R-K-S, and he goes, oh, yeah, Works. Yeah, screw, spelled backwards. <laughs> and we went... <laughs> And we know what? Yeah. We didn't know that. We never even thought of that. It was just we took a play. You know how you have chronic right, with a right, K? Right. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, works yeah. with a yeah. E-R-K-S. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and uh, those were the original guys. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, if, I, if, you, if you need to go back further, then you would have to talk to. Wayne's got some fun, fun stories. But we were, like, reminiscing about different things, like... Uh, we played an interesting an an interesting uh, sideline was there. There were benefits playing at the Rooster Tail. One time, I was out in the parking lot <coughs> talking with Tom Shaneth, whose brother Jerry Shaneth was the one right. that owned the Rooster Tail. So I'm sitting out there talking with Tom Shaneth, and this limousine comes up. You know, the Rooster Tail's got a really Big drive, big parking lot, right. gigantic parking lot. So I'm looking at this little black speck coming down Randolph, which was the street that led to the parking lot, and it's it's going down and hits it hits the parking lot. It's getting closer and closer and closer and closer, and I can tell this is a big limousine. So he pulls up next to Tom. The door opens, and Tony Bennett comes out oh, of the wow. car, and I'm just going. <laughs> Apparently. Tom had bought some of his paintings or something like that, and they were they were working oh. out a deal where Tony Bennett was like a serious painter also. Sure, sure. So that was one of the benefits. The other benefits would be uh, when Chicago would come to town, there was a small little uh, club in the Rooster Tail called the Rainbow Room. So you would sit, you you were able to sit and actually talk to uh, members like oh, okay. the sax player Walt Perez there. I think Terry Kath was there. And I'm trying to think of... Uh, I think uh, uh, Terry Kath, Walt Perizader, uh, uh I don't think Jimmy Pankow was there, the trombone player, but you were able to just sit and talk to him, and the sax player from Chicago would take Brian into where the stage was, and they would look at his sax and stuff. And oh, it, cool. It was very, I mean, it was very, very cool. Now, we, speaking of Chicago, family rumor, <laughs> number one about Jim Torrano. Okay. Chicago wanted you to play with them. True or false? False. Okay. <laughs> the, the story is this. This is a sto- this is what this is the story. I'll, I'll tell you right now. When I was in Works, we went through a couple of different managers, and one of the managers was an electronic genius that worked for Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder's brother, and it's like adopted brother, hung around with this guy. This guy, his name was Al Miller. And he did a lot when Stevie Wonder wanted like electronic things for his uh, songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he would he would ask Al Miller to like in, invent stuff. Oh, okay. And so when you hear that when Stevie changed to more electronic stuff, 
that was from Al Miller. He oh, did okay. So Al Miller had a brother named Darby, and Darby and Stevie Wonder's brother wanted to take me to California, and I was going to, they were going to promote me, and I decided, uh, and Arv didn't want me to go by myself. I think he was worried about what was going to happen oh. to me if I went, and yeah. I went, that's probably a good idea, and uh, yeah. I, I didn't go, oh, okay. which I, I'm I'm kind of glad because Darby's dead now, and Steve I don't hear that much about uh, Stevie Wonder's brother, but an interesting sideline though, and, and Wayne would probably tell you this, but when Stevie Wonder would come to town, he'd go and visit this L Miller at his house, and what L Miller used to like to do when Stevie Wonder wasn't he was he's blind, right, right. and he's not familiar with the layout of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so if Stevie would say, where's the bathroom, Al would say, well, go down the hall and go about four steps and turn to the right. Well, he would go down four steps and run into a wall. <laughs> and they loved doing that. I, I, so that was that, that's one of the funny stories. But, uh, yeah, so I didn't do that. Uh, that was probably my really close, if I, w- if I was going to do anything uh, besides that, I did some uh, I did some theater, and that's when I was still in the works. I did some. Well, no, I wasn't in works then. That was a different band. Well, you did Jesus Christ Superstar, right? That was. Yeah, I don't know if we can veer off. I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you about that if you want to know. Or hey, I can. Uh, you know what? All right, all right. This is a story. I was in. I was in a band. We can make this a two-parter. Okay, so. all right. <laughs> I, I was in a band called Crossfire, which was a really good band, uh, and. Uh, the organ player was involved with St. Clair Shores Community Theater. And he would always try and say, you know, uh, why don't you come in and, you know, try out for anything? And I went, I don't want to do that crap. You know, I'm, 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 I'm just, I just want to do this. And he goes, no, well, just, we're doing Jesus Christ Superstar. You can come and you can do a chorus part or something like that. And I said, all right, I'll come in. I'll, I'll sing. I'll, I'll do a chorus part. He goes, well, you got it. You got to try out though, and I went okay. So I don't know if I was the first or second guy. So I just, I did uh, the Judas part, uh, and uh, my mind is clear now. At last I can see. So I'm I'm doing that, and uh, I left. You know, everybody, hey, nice job, and I left, and I went okay, screw it, I'm done now. I'll, I'll be in the I be in the chorus part. So. He comes over the next day to my house. I was living in Detroit at my grandma's up the flat. I didn't have a pot to piss in, but nope. it was okay. I didn't. I didn't have to pay rent. My grandma was very cool about that. Anyway, so I, I so he comes into the house. He says, "Okay, this is what's happening. I'm Judas. You're Jesus." And I went. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, "I don't." Want it. So, anyways, it, it ended up being. It was a lot of fun, but I could never. I could never do shows because there's so much drama behind everything, oh, especially yeah. if you got a lead. Oh man, you you fighting women off left and right, and it's like it's like oh god. So it was it it turned out really good, and I'm glad I did it. Uh, my parents got to see it, and I think my dad was. I I think my family didn't know I could sing that well, right? Because that's the hard part. That sure, Jesus is really part and. Was a sideline. Ian Gilliam, who was the original on the Brown album, was the lead singer from Deep Purple. Oh, so 
and he had he had some chops on him. My God, you were just so good. So I tried to pattern myself after him because I thought out of all the all the records, he did it the best. Okay, so I sidelined. I'm sorry, Ed. Oh no, no, that's <laughs> I I had heard stories of it. It was um, good. I, I so think Diane saw it too. I I think she, yeah, that's she where came. I got the story. Yeah, from it was good. It was so. they were going to take it out on the road. It, it ended up having an extra performance because it was that well. The characters, the leads were all good, and that was that was something. Uh, uh, Al Danielson was Judas. This guy Tim Clancy played Pilot, who and he was just perfect. The uh, the guy that played Herod was Chris Pristoff, and at the time he was about three hundred pounds, and he was perfect. It was like Jabba the Hutt oh, playing, yeah, Herod, yeah. playing Herod. He was just perfect. And the girl that played Mary had a gorgeous voice, and even even the bit players were just so good that right. te- you know you're on the sideline. Okay, so we're going through uh, dress rehearsal, right for right. Superstar. And the hanging scene, Judas is supposed to hang, right? Right. Well, he has this harness. The harness broke. Oh, God. So he was almost hanging, oh, right? Oh, God. So it kind of like, it did something to his throat. He, was, he wasn't he was 100%, but he was still great. The next thing is, we haven't tried the cross thing yet, right, where Jesus gets on the cross. Right. So I'm thinking, Judas hung himself. <laughs> I can see the cross falling forward and smashing every bone in my face. Right. So it's like, he says, okay, the cross is laying flat, and you put your arms out on each side, and you have these two fingers, and you're you're covering the wire, so it looks like there's nails in your hand, right. so they're painting you. So I'm laying flat, and it takes like five guys. This is a heavy cross. It takes five guys, and the cross is going up, and I'm on the cross, and it's going up, and it fits into the hole, and it starts swaying. <laughs> <laughs> going, I'm going to die up here. This show is cursed. <laughs> Judas hung himself, and Christ is... Bo- yeah, so th- those were, like, scary moments, but it, uh, we had a good crowd. It, it, was, uh, it was sold out every night. The first night wasn't that great, but after the first night, word of mouth, and they said, this is a good show. Okay. Come and see the show. And we had a great... We had live music. A pit band, oh, as, wow. a, as opposed to the can right. music, they had, they had the they had the music on the stands and stuff like that, and they had really fine, really fine oh, cool. m- musicians and stuff. So it was, it was. Is an there experience. any eight millimeter film of that? No, nope. around anywhere. There's the, huh? somebody shot a beta. Oh really? That, that's that's what they had at that time. There, there was no VHS. Was right, right, beta right. Max. So it actually, it works out better becomes because it becomes an urban legend. You know, it's right. like, oh man, you should have been there. You know, uh, uh, it was fantastic. And so uh, I'd be afraid to find a beta and go, man, this stinks. You know, <laughs> it's well, like a good experience. I met my wife through that show, and uh, yeah, it worked out good. Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully, um, in the near future here, we'll get Wayne on here too. I think that'll work and then, out uh, good. We'll have you back. In well, it's, it's Wayne, and I think he was going to call Teddy. Okay. And Danny, Danny's been kind of sick off and on, but uh, yeah, uh, Wayne has some good. He has some uh, fun stories yeah. to tell. But in fact, we were, we were just. Uh, we've. I, I was going to say. I, I'm trying to think of all the guys that we've played with when I was in works, and I can say. 
I wrote down some names here. We played with, Brown, remember Brownsville Station? Oh, yeah. Smoking in the boys' room. room. Yeah. What's really interesting about Brownsville Station, in a dressing room, they decided to change in front of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're taking their clothes off, and they're stark naked. That's kind of weird. They're just stark naked, and they're putting on these, these spangled jumpsuits and stuff like that. And I'm going, this is an image I'm never going to forget. Right. Stark naked Brownsville Station. <laughs> We played with uh, Alice Cooper. Oh. We were the we played with Big Brother and the Holding Company after Janice was oh, gone. Okay. It was just Big Brother and the Holding Company. Bob Seeger, sideline with Bob Seeger. We went to his uh, place in Ann Arbor, and he was hitting on my buddy's girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Bob, that's not nice. Bob, yeah, and. My favorite one was... Allegedly. We, yeah, yeah. Allegedly. We, we were at this place called The Living End, and Chuck Berry, the guy had hired Chuck Berry to come in and sing. Oh. So we, we played a lot. We were the first band, and then Chuck Berry came up, which was really... So regardless of anything that happened, even though we didn't have any... We had, like, a couple of originals, but just the fact that we played alongside these, like freaking legends you know it was it was very cool my days of playing the most famous one was we were, we were at a place that uh, it was on the west side somewhere it was owned by a my the miami dolphins kicker oh yeah garrow um it was um joey's comedy club upstairs and downstairs was um i can't remember what the name of the restaurant was but they had a stand-up comedian and uh we went up to see him, and he'd come down and catch us playing. He was actually the guy who who was in Scarface who died in the bathtub who got mauled by the chainsaw. <laughs> that was him. He was a st- and, and he wanted us. He would come down. We would do a Stones tune, and he would sing it. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to take you guys on the road. I'm going to take you guys on the road. I go, yeah, for one song, we'll go on the road, <laughs> go on the road with him. But that was my famous uh, interaction with somebody i can't i can't remember what his name was but uh yeah that was uh we yeah uh, if we go we used to go on the road in kalamazoo we thought we'd get some nice hotels we played stayed at this one place it's called the westnage it was like it was a nice hotel had just regular antenna tv black and white yeah. tv it wasn't colored TV, right. <laughs> so it's like we hit the big time <laughs> well when you guys did a reunion, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but I had the pleasure of riding on the school bus with you guys because I did the sound for you. Yep. I think when you played in Romeo at some place. Okay. Or Richmond. It was, Possibly. It was kind of a theater or something like that. I, I forget all the games. And I tell you, I, I never laughed so hard in my entire <laughs> life riding on that bus, man. That was... <laughs> It was probably some smoke going in that, that was, buzz. That was crazy. You probably, you probably got a contact that, buzz. That was crazy. But it, uh, it's real funny now. I talked to when I talked to Wayne. When we talk about jobs, we used to talk about you know working in bars and stuff like that. Sure. Now we now we talk about working in convalescent homes. And, and like that's get, where the that's yeah. where the that's where the jobs are now. Because I know when I start playing in bars, like you'd play for like door cover. Oh yeah. And, you know, and then the owner, you know, like from the movies would say, okay, well, you owe me 14 bucks. <laughs> so, but, but getting paid back then, what was that? What was that? Well, it was real interesting because when one of the clubs that we played at, 
at the end of the week, when we go to get paid, he'd always give us a, uh, give us a drink. Oh. <laughs> and there was one drink he called Diablo Azul, which was like a zillion proof alcohol. Yeah. So he could have paid us a monopoly money, and we wouldn't <laughs> have known. About but yeah, we always he always would get us drunk to to get us paid. But uh, what we would do is. <laughs> on Mondays, when we were at the Rooster Tail, our the guitar player took he had he had a checking account, so we'd have to wait until Monday to come and pick up our checks. Oh. So we'd go to Arv's house, and we're waiting, and his mother's giving him breakfast, and RV <laughs> this, RV that. And we're going, come on, Arv, just pay us so we can get the hell yeah. out of here. I, I want to do something today. So that was how we got paid, and we had, and it it worked out okay. Yeah. I mean, but it was like. It, it, it was all checks. It was, yeah. And so you, you had to you had to report. It. I don't I don't think the the pay for bands has changed much since then. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a so I'm in a 16 piece band, 17 piece like a big band. That's what I was I, gonna, I was going to ask you that. What, that's what, what I'm what doing. What are you doing now? Now I'm in <clears throat> like I I'm in two. <clears throat> well, actually three. Three big bands. One's at Macomb. It's called uh, the Alumni Band. And what we do is they get kids that are taking jazz workshop as a class, and then they have us that are, we're not mentoring them, but we're playing along with them because we know a lot of the charts, and, and so they can they can learn, and they learn about <coughs> theory and, and uh, just different. The teacher that we have right now is really cool because he goes through different eras. He goes through like the forties music, he goes through bop, he goes through R and B and, and it's kinda neat. And these kids learn and uh and they have us come in and we kinda like guide them through the, the songs that we're playing. So I'm doing that. And then there's two other bands that I'm in right now that are sixteen, seventeen piece and most of these guys consist of like old band directors, uh people that stopped playing and started playing again. And one of the guys who sadly just passed away, his name was George. He was he's ninety something years old. Wow, a trumpet player, right? Wow. And he would tell me stories. He was from England, and he would tell me stories about the Blitz. You know, he was saying when I was a little kid, they loaded us on a train, and we we had to go live with our aunts and uncles in Scotland because uh, Germans were bombing where we were at. He goes, he says, you know, on. On Tuesday, when you got garbage day and the garbage cans are out there, he says, on, on, for us, it was like body bags out in front wow. of the apartments and stuff like that. So I try and learn as much as I can from them because they're so, they're so sure. interesting. Uh, so I'm doing that. Uh, I go, I'm in a, a couple, I can't, I was cantering in the church, and I'm not doing that right now, but I was cantering at St. Augustine, and I'm doing convalescent homes one Thursday a month, which is kind of fun. And what's interesting about that is when I first started doing the convalescent homes, they used to want to hear Bye Bye bye, bye Blackbird, yeah, Good Night yeah. Irene, When the Red Red Robin. Now it's Pretty Woman. <laughs> Can you do some Elvis? Can yeah. you do uh, Everly Brothers? So time has gone by. Eh? Yeah. And uh, so the stuff that we used to do in bars, we're doing in convalescent homes. Right. But... It's it's kind of worth it. Uh, a lot of the times you'll go in there. <clears throat> we were doing this place uh, room. It was called Haven Hall, and that was strictly for memory issues. 
a lot of Alzheimer's patients, and you would see they'd be sitting there, and then you, you, you learn stuff about the brain. There's one brain for talking, and there's one brain that, that uh, responds to music, and we would do stuff. We start, first you walk in there, and they kind of like, they're just not doing nothing, and then you start playing, and then the light goes on. And then if you play long enough, they start singing along with it and stuff. So, what what, what size group is, are you doing this with? Like with the with it's just me and my wife. Oh, okay. So we'll go in there and it's just it's basically karaoke CDs. Gotcha. So I go in there and that's what I'm saying. I, I uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm in the fifties, <clears throat> some sixties, uh, nothing really eighties uh, or anything like that, but. Stuff that I know, I can. Right. The only thing I, you know, if they asked for hip hop, I'd be screwed because right, I, right. I don't know nothing. Right, right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think they're asking for hip hop. <laughs> you never know, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and then in the early days, I used to be able to go out there and walk amongst them with cordless microphone and have them sing. Right. Well, since COVID, I can't yeah, do that no yeah. more. So for there, there was a period of year there. If somebody's interested in going to convalescent homes, just once a month or something like they really appreciate it. Yeah. And I mean, I did that for I did that for four or five years and I didn't get paid and then they just said, you know, we want to pay you. So it's not it's not a lot. Right. But <laughs> speaking of pay, I have two jobs with this big band, right? Okay. The first job is a freebie. Oh. Right? The second job, I'm gonna get ten dollars. <laughs> Ten dollars American, American 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 money. Wow. Yeah, so that should probably get me an eighth of a tank of gas. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. But back, it's back a, in the day, it was two packs of cigarettes and a full tank. Oh God, <laughs> we were talking about that last I, week. I can't. When I think when I quit smoking, I think it was a dollar, dollar twenty or something like that. I yeah. I am so glad I quit. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was a it was a good time. I when uh, when we were doing Santana, uh, there was this kid that was following the band, and he had a conga. And uh, he said, "Can I sit in?" And went, "Yeah, come on, sit in." And then we didn't hear from him anymore, and the conga was still there. So I started playing congas. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's how, you, I, I got that's a, how you started. Yeah, the got, that's how I started in the congas. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah. My kids don't know any about this. Everything I'm telling you right now. Well, they're it, all going to know. If they, it's interesting because initially it was like uh, Arv and the organ player, Fred Fedorwick, who had a car club. They were called the Qualifiers, and they, they raced cars and stuff. And then uh, Fred, they would do a lot of stuff from the 50s. And he, organ player, and uh, they had different, different sax player. I think they had the same drummer. I'm, Ted, they got from New York. Uh, different sax player, the horns, uh, the, the, what was good about the, the sixties horn parts is they were not that hard, but they were like danceable. Like if you listen to funky Broadway or knock on wood and stuff, it's always, uh, you're just holding notes or you're just playing the rhythms where if you took a lead or something like that, it didn't have to be, uh, out of this world. It was just, it was just basic, a basic lead chord progressions which i didn't know nothing about at the time and i still don't know i just but anyways it it was better music and you just wanted to you wanted to bop to it you know where other bands are more what i found out is when i go to play if i if i if i'm playing music at a club or something like that i'm playing stuff that i know people want to listen to not not what i want to listen to 
works was like works was kind of like that and uh we used to we we had this thing called uh we would open up the show with 2001 oh okay right with the horn sure. bah, 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 and then and then they had this it was like a if you know vanilla fudge yes they had this thing what they would do like a vanilla fudge reach out like okay. like the four tops reach out yep. only it would be more like vanilla fudge from 2001 and we used to always open up the show okay. like that and then we'd go into something fast like santana so we always thought about what would sound really right. good right but what was tasteful too yeah so that that's what i liked about the band uh and how, how long how long was the band together together you know I was I was with them for three years, and then uh, doesn't it seem like an eternity sometimes. Well, uh, the one guy, as a side note, this Al Miller that used to do electronics for Stevie Wonder, walked up to my first wife, and said, "Isn't it great that you accept that music is num- number one for Jim and you're number two? Oh, that's always nice." <laughs> So that was like, and she said, look, it, it's either me or the band. And I said, okay. So I quit. Okay. And then, <clears throat> thank God that didn't work out. Yeah. But I love her. I mean, I, I, I only wish the best for her. I hope I, I, I've never said anything bad about her because I thought she, she taught me a lot of stuff. So anyways, I went and uh, worked at Chrysler for a few years. And that's how I met the one guy who was going to be Judas. That's oh, okay. how I met him through Chrysler. He found him. And we, we were in a band together after that, too. So, And then I just I gravi- gravitated towards... Uh, when, uh, at, being at Macomb... <clears throat> when I, I worked for the post office for 30 years. Yep. I know I'm digressing. I worked for the post office for, for 30 years. After I retired from the, from the post office, I decided to go back to school. So I went back to Macomb, where I was... It's like full circle in, okay. the, in the 60s. And as I'm walking down the arts music, I, arts building, I see some guy walking towards me, and it's my old teacher from the from the '60s. Oh wow! He's got gray hair now. He doesn't have a dark mustache, and his hair isn't as long. But he recognized me. Wow! And asked me if I was still playing, and I said, "Really, I'm not playing that much right now." And he said, "Well, come and sit in the jazz band just for a little bit." And I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll play the fourth part or whatever." So it, it kind of like lit the fire again and that's how i started doing all this stuff all over again with the big bands and the and that was i retired in 60 I, when i was 66 i'm 72 now and i've never been busier oh wow it's that beautiful thing i i forget that i worked at the post office except when at night when i'm dreaming about it <laughs> i always have the same dream like i'm i'm behind him i i'm behind i gotta get out of here i, I only got eight hours and I'm, and then i wait and then i'm thinking Oh yeah, you're sleeping. You're fine, <laughs> and then I wake up. Yeah, well, I, I'm lucky if I can remember to go to the mailbox. I, I, I think, yeah, you, okay. All right, I got a couple other questions. For okay, you. all right. Do you have a favorite lyric from a song, or maybe I should ask you, what is your favorite song? Well, my favorite song is for two reasons. Well, actually, it's one reason. Well, two reasons. There was a song that Arb used to sing. It was called. Uh, the Clown, and it was by a group called The Flock. I'm only saying one song, mind you. One song, right? So he sang, I think he sang it one or two times. And then all of a sudden he said his, his throat hurt. He couldn't sing the song. So we always, you know, every, 
ever since that time, when we do a job, then we'd go, Arv, clown. <laughs> so, so fast forward 40 years, and when Arv would call me, and he, or I'd call him, and i go, Arv, this is the manager of the flock. Uh, I understand <laughs> that you do the song, The Clown. We'd like you to come down and record it for us. And go, I can't right now. My throat's killing me. So that was, yeah, that was good. Uh, and then there was one other song, and it's a, it was my first attempt at singing. It was a Lee Michaels song called Would You Be Happy? And my thing was, Wayne, Wayne would go, Would you be happy? Would you be sad? Da, 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 da. And I would go, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my first attempt at singing. And there was, uh, hey, Toronto, you got to go, oh, God. We all had those. I know. It was, yeah. But but my, the first song uh, I really sang was Badge by Cream. That was that was the first song. And I would sing it. And, and, and somebody would say, are you listening to the lyrics you're singing? And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's a happy song. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For years, I sang one song, and someone finally came up to me after many years and said, "You know, you're doing the second verse first. And yeah, the first, uh, who cares? Oh, Sometimes you, I'd be singing songs going, "Hum, did it, wah, yeah. I can't remember. That. I've seen, I've seen Johnny Mathis forget lyrics. You know, and they, and what would happen is the people in the audience would be the sing, singing the lyrics right. for him, and you go, "Thank you, yeah. thank you." <laughs> but he's just—that's another guy I used to listen to, and I used to listen to Johnny Mathis was just and Sinatra. Oh, I'd be riding my bike singing "Luck Be a Lady" and yeah. by Frank Sinatra. I love all that old stuff. Yeah, and, all and that old stuff. Nelson Riddle arrangements and God. It, it, Sinatra was great, but he knew, he knew the arrangers to pick. Yeah, he had Nelson Riddle, Gordon Jenkins, and then he had the last time he was in Vegas, he had Quincy Jones as yeah. as a director of the music, and Quincy was like. Pfft. So your your taste in music really hasn't changed. I you know what I always tell my kids <coughs> this: I like everything if it's done well. Right. I like to pattern myself though when I'm performing, like Victor Borga. Because he just likes to have fun, you know? If you look at any videos or something like that, uh, Macomb, uh, it's on uh, Shelby TV, Macomb's Jazz Band, which I would would say, uh, if you get a chance, just go on there. You'll see the jazz band, and you'll see two guys bopping, the guitar player and the trumpet player, and they're just... Just really, I, I get into the music if it's done well. I just I and I do it with all the bands. I just can't help it. Right. I just I just got to move, and and I love Victor Borga. And if you if you ever look into his history, where he came from, where how he escaped, where he was from during the Nazis and stuff like that, the fact that he's the way he is is just amazing. And I I just think that's the way you should be. Right. I think you should. You can be serious. He's a fantastic piano player, but he's also, he's just, he's entertaining. Well, I remember <clears throat> when you guys were doing that gig in Romeo or Richmond, whatever it was, and we had the, the, the old Arv's school bus, mm-hmm. and I was doing the sound, and you guys were doing Abracadabra, mm-hmm. and the, on the stage was a set of stairs that led to nowhere. Right. <laughs> and as you're singing, you're walking up these stairs, and I'm like, my cord on that mic is only so long. Well, you, 
halfway up the steps, you ran out of cord, yeah. so you disconnected the microphone. <laughs> Mouthing the words as you're walking up the stairs, and you came back down and plugged back in and finished the exactly. song. Exactly. So, yeah, why wouldn't Why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah, why not? That, 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 I don't think they, they had cordless mics, so we should have Well, we so didn't cheap. have them back then. Yeah, we were, I know, and, and, and Superstar, I don't know how many times we'd be, uh, we'd be crossing and we had to worry about the mics, and I think one time Pilot was... Uh, Pilot was singing, and, and, and or or I think one time that's what I'm saying. Some of these videos they sh- they should look at at when there were mistakes because I think one time Pilot Pilot was coming out on like a float right with with uh, women in front of him and stuff like that, and all of a sudden the top <laughs> collapses. <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. Let me ask you this. Yes, I'll answer. How do you think social media? has changed the music industry. Well, first off, I have to say autotune is, <laughs> is the worst freaking thing that ever came Agreed. Uh, I find that if you, that it, everything is prepackaged now. You have, to me, it's like you're not going to get an ugly person uh, singing songs anymore. Right. Uh, Susan, what's her name? Susan Boyle on uh, America, when yep. she first came on, she wasn't that good look, and so I mean, if so, they package you to make sure you look really, right. you really good. They put auto tune on you so you can make sure you don't go flat, you don't go sharp. And from what I understand, there's some singers that that's all they use is auto tune right. because. So I think, to me, that that's a basic. It's a shame, and, and social media. What is it? Andy Warhol said everybody's going to be famous for five minutes. Right. It's true. I mean. You know, like like YouTube. I mean, if I had YouTube back in the day, when I was first playing, I would have never had taken a guitar lesson ever, because I could have just watched it on YouTube and learned how to play it. Well, yeah, that. But we used to, I'm, we used I'm, to put a record on and listen to it. You know. Oh, absolutely. Thirty-five, forty times. Absolutely. That's how we learned. Yeah. And so. and, and sometimes <clears throat> I listen to I listen to songs and I'm sorry I listen to horn parts. And our horn parts are different. We we kind of simplified it because we thought that's the way it went. Right. But, but like you said, it, it, uh, now you could you can go online and you can see the charts and you can see the parts and you go, I like my way better. Yeah. yeah. Really, because it. See when I when I taught myself how to play, the way I play guitar, I make my chords different than most people who have taken lessons. Okay. Because I'm self-taught. Yeah. And now I'm I'm looking at these videos online, and they're all going, well, play the chord what's ever comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, well, okay, well, I must have did something right because, I mean, I still get the same sound. It's just the finger is just different, and it's just easier for me. Same thing about uh, tr- playing trumpet was like... Uh you everybody started with a certain mouthpiece everybody your embouchure was this way your embouchure was that way and then i i met these guys <coughs> in that big band and most of them were like i in their 70s 80s and they'd say they'd say okay just put if you put the mouthpiece up to your lip and don't use your tongue that's what's comfortable and right. it was like wow i want you around when i you know uh, uh, and I, I, my, I have no ego to bruise anymore. When yeah. I was younger, I used to, I used, to, I was, when I was in high school, I was terrible. I would, 
I'd kill some if he came if he came in with a broken leg or something like that. I'd challenge him for his chair. I right, 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 terrible. Right. Now, like I said, I got no ego to bruise, and when I sing, I got no ego to bruise. I'm trying to have a good time. Right. And so far, so good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing now. I'm busier now than I've ever been in my life. Uh, we were just talking about that coming over here. It's just like. Why are we always in a hurry? What are we? Yeah. I don't know if you're like that. There's always stuff to go. I mean, I could sit in this room. If anybody wants to see this room, this is really comfortable. I could, I could fall asleep here <laughs> really easy. I I could, you know, bring my meals here and you'll never I, see I me again. I do have Johnny Mathis on the reel to reel. I got Simon Garfunkel. No, I got disgusting. Frank on this one over here. Old school's the best. Old school yeah, is the best. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Old school's the best. But. Like I said, I'm sure there's hip-hop guys that I would really, th- there's some stuff that I really like, but as far as like, uh, well, if you go back in time, rap has been around for a long time. It's just not, if you, you can go back to uh, um, uh, Fats, Wa- Fats Waller. Yeah, Fats Waller does a lot of rapping and stuff in songs, and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. I'm having a senior moment, but it's, it's been around for a while, but. A wop, bop, blue, bop, bamboo. Yeah, little <laughs> so, Richard, so, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one well, other question for you. Okay. If you could jam with any performer, past or present, who would it be? Al Cooper. Yeah. Al Cooper. Al, Al Cooper is a genius. And if, uh, if you listen to Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. the organ... Mm-hmm. That's Al Cooper. You know, I I heard a story about that. I was listening to Sirius Radio, and I forget who they were interviewing, but actually said that he couldn't play the organ for that part. They didn't want him doing it, and he played it. And Bob Dylan liked it. And Bob Dylan liked it. He goes, let's keep that in there. Yeah. Well, what happened was Mike Bloomfield was a guitar player, and Al Cooper said, well... I'm not going to be any better than Mike Bloomfield, so I'll just fart around on the organ and see what that sounds like. And yeah, that that makes the whole song. Yeah, if if that did if that that part wasn't there, right? So yeah, it was like so him. It, it, it's real interesting because him and Mike Bloomfield are. It's a tragic thing because Mike Bloomfield uh, really had a problem with drugs. Really, like. Uh, he had a bad problem with drugs, but they used to, when they did super sessions, they had to use Mike Bloomfield, and then when Mike Bloomfield didn't show up, they had to bring in Stephen Stills because Mike Bloomfield was off on a bender or something like okay. that. So if you see super sessions, uh, that's what that's why Stephen Stills is on there, and uh, uh, there's a there's an album cover with Mike Bloomfield and Al Cooper that was painted by Norman Rockwell, which was really cool. Yeah. If you pull it up on web uh, site, you'll see it. Who, like, totally blew your mind? Just went, like... When I was in high school, Fraser High School would bring in uh, their uh, Tonight Show, two guys from the Tonight Show, to be in their concert. Doc Severinsen and the drummer was Bobby Rosengarten. And they would be... They would play concerts with the Fraser High School band. We... Our band director got a hold of the Boston Symphony, and they had uh, this uh, trumpet player. His name was Armando Gatala, the trumpet player. Dark, mustache, gorgeous. And he blew me away. 
we were we were doing this song it was Carnival of Venice, and in the beginning there's this it's a cadenza is like a it's like a four four measure thing where you're doing all sorts of stuff before you even go into the song. You're doing scales, you're doing all sorts of crap before you get into the song. So me and this other guy, his name is John Leahy, we were best friends and stuff, and we did stuff in high school together. And uh, we did the cadenzas, and we did them. We thought, hey, we're hot stuff. <laughs> we're hot stuff. Look at this. this so this Armando Catala comes in from Boston, and, you know, everybody in the band is looking at us because they think, well, they think they're hot stuff. He starts to play, and we thought we were going really fast on these cadenzas. He was going, like, two or three times faster than us. Oh. Everybody, all the girls in the band are looking at us going, yeah, you think you're hot stuff. This is hot stuff. He was he was fantastic. He was, and so that made the biggest impression on me. Doc Severinsen, I love, but this guy, he was like unherald, unheralded. He put. A, I have a couple of his albums. I had to look and find, but uh, yeah, he. In fact, he uh, he was from Boston and he moved around a lot, and he ended up uh, being at U of M teaching out there. Oh, okay. But music is a rough. But music is a rough thing. Yeah. Because if if you look if you look at like the American Masters or something like that, you'll see that a lot of these guys they sacrifice a lot. There's no there's no home life. Right. Uh, there's and it kind of like happened to me for a little while because I'm playing my horn and if I don't practice, I got a little voice in the back of my head going, Jim, you gotta practice. Yeah. If you don't practice, you're gonna suck, and if you suck, you're gonna be really mad. And it, 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 I I needed to be grounded, right? So I still play, and I like playing. But because I'm married to Rose, I'm more grounded now because I had three daughters who are absolutely fantastic. I'm grounded because I have a grandson that I have to take a nap after he leaves. Right. I'm I'm grounded. I'm I'm more grounded, but I still play. But I don't have any aspirations of becoming rich and famous. Right. Right. I'm too old right now. Yeah. And. Yeah. It really doesn't interest me when I when I see what's happened to some of these people. I, I, I there was a thing on Doc Severinsen. He's been married four times, right? You know, and it's like they have to either accept what he does or they leave. And there's there's so much, yeah, cr uh, not crap. It's just it's it's well, it's like I always somebody has always said to me, "Well, why did you quit playing?" I go, "It's like babysitting kids." Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know and. You know, a lot of the guys recently have passed away that I played with, too. I mean, you know, three of them in the past three years. Yep. Um, one was older and two were younger. So it's like, wow, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, anyways, I appreciate you being here. This was fun. It was very, very fun. Um, I want to get Wayne in here and, may, and maybe Ted, and, and we'll do it all again in another Sweet. time. We'll do, like, part two and part three. Fine. We're going to end it. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Toronto. And, uh I think there's a Facebook page with the Works community. Not a lot on it, just some old photos. Um, it have, it have to be if it's the Works, it might be the band from Ohio. No, this one is Works. Works, yeah. It's yeah just, it's either say Works or Works music, then yeah. that, that's us. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know if there's any old videos of you guys on YouTube at all. Mm, I'll, I'll have to check that out. I think basically we a lot a lot of photos. And then next time you're here too, we'll talk about your movie career. Oh, oh, and, oh and producing and writing movies, which I starred in. So, well, co-starred. So.
So Toucan, yeah, Toucan, Jungle Boy. That was that, yeah. was, that was a great movie. Yep, yep. Surprised it didn't cult, win, win any cult award. classic. Rotten won. Tomatoes gave it. It should have won some awards. That I don't just un, <laughs> don't understand it. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jim. Okay, catch you later. Bye bye. Well, that'll wrap up another episode of Have a Drink and Let's Talk. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest in the studio tonight, Jim Toreno. Thank you very kindly, sir. We finally got together. Uh, hopefully in the near future I can get you and a couple of fellows from works back in here to continue our conversation. I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in once again to the podcast. If someone or someone you know would like to be on the podcast and talk about, well, whatever the hell they want to talk about, you can send me an email at wevmproductions at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook at wevmproductions group page. Find me on Instagram and Twitter as well. And don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Once again, folks, thank you, thank you, thank you. Be safe, be kind, and remember, Detroit rocks.